I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, to give some perspective here, guys, about how close this is, you know, I know Ballerina is one of the most well-versed in all the lands. I've done my own mock, like I've said, been betting the first my first draft for a month. We have 14 out of 15 of the same top 15. We have exactly zero in the same exact draft slot. So that gives you an idea of how crazy. Wow. Zero. We have 14 out of the 15, wow. same top 15, zero in the same draft slot. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the few in attendance and the thousands listening around the world, let's get ready to gamble. My name is Tony Cavallo. As always, I'm joined by Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer Crookston, Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio. We are the West Coast Gamblers, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network, the only gambling show that makes you money, and the recipients of the NYX Gold Level and Sports Podcasting Awards. Still undetermined what that means. Today, we are talking about it's draft week, folks. It is draft week Folks, we have already in the can the uh, How to Bet the NFL Draft. You can listen to that in our past episodes. But today, we are bringing back the king of the mock draft and original host of this podcast. Welcome back to the show for his ballerina big board, Brian the Ballerina Balzarini. Welcome back, sir. Great to be here, fellas. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. I can't wait. Buddy, it's great to see you, man. I know we talk about it every year in our little group text with uh, our friend Brett Green, fellow Michigander, Lions fan. It's our Super Bowl, man. And hey, real quick, we don't need to. We're not going to talk about lines. We're not going to do that, guys. Don't worry. But just yes or no, this offseason with the number two pick, DC, Holmes, obviously having hard knocks, this will be the most anticipated Lions football season of all time. Yes or no? Of all time. Yes, with, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Not even without close. a doubt. Thank you. Without That's a all. doubt. Well, and with yeah, all that yeah. anticipation comes an enormous opportunity for them to let you down. Let's hope this year hey, is not like be, the when other. When we're ones. six and 11 dangles. Just know there was hype. Okay, seven nine and wins, eight, baby. Nine seven and eight, wins, making the playoffs. Nine I and eight, love, the playoffs. I do love the over on uh, on on the Lions. I gave that out on our uh, free agency podcast. I do love that on their win total. This is why we have you on the podcast to give out the ballerina big board to make those final bets because your numbers hit more than most. You've hit more than Mel Kiper, Todd McShay, Daniel Jeremiah, all of them. You hit these because you put in the work, my friend. You've dove in. You've you've done all the forty times, all the combine times, all the player fits, and this mock. I cannot wait to dive into it. Before we get in there, we talked to uh, the Hitman on our last show about this draft. With there not being that surefire number one pick, there's no Trevor Lawrence. The quarterbacks in this draft are much more akin to EJ Manuel than they are even the Sam Darnold year. How did you feel making this mock draft? Did you find it more difficult to do than years past? Or do you think you got a handle on this one? Yeah, much more difficult. Uh, To your point, I think this year is uh, lower on the blue chip uh, number than, than normal. Um, but with that said, I doing some research found out that, you know, about six, there's about, there's usually about six trades within the first round, 
uh, every every year, give or take. Um, so when you think about that in, in in total, every year, every year, I am always shocked at how chalky it is in a very standard year. Most movement happens in the top 10 before the draft even starts. We saw it last year with San Francisco. Uh, we often see it when quarterbacks are in play. But when it comes to non-quarterbacks, we very rarely see that top 10 movement um, often in the draft. So every year I've been bitten. I've always I've always projected more trades within the top 10 year over year. But this year, I, I feel less confident that there will be a lot of movement up into the top 10. But I feel more confident that there will be more movement after the top 10 because you'll see some jostling. Also, remember, it's not for a quarterback. There's going to be a discount for moving up this year. You're not you're not given the farm to move from 10 you know, or moving from 20 to 10 or 15 to 12, there, there, there will not be that premium. So you'll see teams. And I, this is why I think the New Orleans Saints did what they did prior to this, uh, to this um, start of the draft is to move in, set yourself up nicely to move up those three or four or five, six picks, not paying a premium because obviously quarterbacks aren't in play nearly as much as they are uh, every other year. So I think this year for the smart GMs out there, they're going to get their money's worth. Uh, moving around. So I, I see a lot of movement after that top 10, but I don't see a lot of movement. So it was very difficult to, to answer your question directly. It was very difficult to project how this was all going to shake out, but it was a lot of fun. I got to tell you that. So there's a lot of room for good bets here. I uh, can't wait. Let's dive in. Speaking of smart GMs, leading us off with the first pick of the <laughs> NFL draft is the opposite of that. Trent Balky and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Drum roll, please. Let's start off with the ballerina big board, my friend. Take us away. Who you got going number one overall? Well, with the first pick, of the 22, uh, 2022 draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Aiden Hutchinson. Hard to ignore. Hard, hard to ignore the uh, the upside there. I mean, I know we've heard a lot. We just, you know, talked with uh, Hitman on our last podcast about the the buzz around Trayvon Walker from Georgia and that Jag- the Jaguars like him. And, uh, you know, I was saying, and I think, you know, I, I'll, I'll reiterate, you know, the Jaguars are a franchise that can surprise you and maybe n- not go that way. But for me, looking at this, it is really hard to ignore I mean, just the generational talent that is Eden Hutchinson, even if the mass, um, the majority of his production didn't really show up until that senior year. Ballerina, I think we've talked about Aiden a lot, uh, obviously being Michigan guys. And, you know, I think the comp a lot is J.J. Watt, but I heard a comp the other day that's way more accurate. He's more like Max Crosby. I mean, he really is a better athlete than the Boaster brothers. He may not have that brute strength, but, I mean – Again, we've done this. We've done this for years. I just don't think there's any, any, any bust potential in Aiden Hutchinson. I refuse to believe it. I could be wrong, but he just seems like a surefire ten-year guy. Might be an All-Pro, but at his 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 floor seems so high. I love the Max Crosby comp. I even like the Trey Hendrickson comp. I think mm. it's a very. I think they're very solid comps. I mean, this guy's floor is very high. Um, I love. I love when prognosticators use the uh, starter or star starter bench bus model, right? You know, how, what's the percentage of those, of that breakdown? I mean, Aiden may not be on the high end of the star potential, but he is on the starter and, 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 and about nothing else. Very little, very little to say on as far as him being just a strict role player. I mean, he's not a, he's not an, um, he's not coming off the field on third down. You know, he's not, he's not a pure rusher off the edge. He does a lot. He can move around. But you know where I think he adds a lot of value? You know this better than anybody, anybody true. What he brings in leadership, what he brings in intensity, what he brings in that, – that means something at the top of this draft when, you, when you're talking Blood about – Bloodlines. When you're talking about the, black, the, 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 the lack of blue-chip talent at, this, at the top end of this draft. 
You need surefire picks, and the Jacksonville Jaguars need a hit. They cannot afford to miss on this person. And I love to talk about Trayvon Walker. We'll get to him in a second here. I love him to death, but you're not drafting a guy who's moving in uh, inside or moving off the field on third uh, on third down passing uh, uh, downs. It's just not going to happen. Aiden Hutchinson is a surefire hit, and I would be I would be surprised, very surprised, if Aiden Hutchinson isn't the first overall pick. That's what we got going to Jacksonville. Number two is not only Shea for the Sharps hometown team, but it is also yours, ballerina Brian Balzarini. So I'm excited to see who you have Detroit taking at number two. Well, with the two uh, number two pick of the 22-2022 draft, I've got to get it right. <laughs> the Detroit Lions select Kayvon Thibodeau, edge out of Oregon. Now, Thibodeau scares me a little bit because he can absolutely produce. We saw that at Oregon. Uh, he can sack the quarterback like no one else. But just something seems a little bit weird when you talk, when you're hearing this guy about his uh, interviews, his post game stuff. Like he just seems like he could be a diva in a little bit of a way. Do you think it's a little bit scary to draft him two overall, knowing in three years he might be like, I want to leave Detroit because Dan Campbell is all about that culture. Yeah, and 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 I, I I toyed with how this would fit from a culture standpoint. Um, to be very real, the player just the player side, you know, just the player alone. All the other stuff off the field. Let's put that aside just for, let's put a pin in it, if you will. Kayvon Thibodeau is the best player in this draft from a pure mm. trait standpoint. What he does off the edge, what he can do. I mean, his pass rush is unbelievable, what he can do. I mean, let's just put it this way. When you talk about star and starter kind of potential, he has the highest star potential of any dra- any edge player in this draft and maybe is as comparable to any of these tackles. I think his star potential is very high because what he can do in the passing game, what he can do to disrupt passing lanes, what he can do, he can even kick inside and help out in the, in, in the run game. But what he does in the pass and what, what the Lions need him to do, remember the Lions are moving to a base 4-3 now. So they need a very, very you know studly uh, defensive end who can cause havoc on that edge. And, it, and Kayvon's that guy. Now, when you factor in the culture standpoint and what we've heard about Kayvon, I don't, I don't, when you really suss through the noise, you don't really get a sense that he's not somebody who's not trying. When he's not getting pressure in a game, he tends to shut down a little bit. And that's true for most guys who are off the edge. You know, when you're trying and you're trying to mix in moves and counters and things like that, it's not happening. You get frustrated. Now, coaching will help that, right? And you've got a long leash with this kid. You got five years potentially to coach him up on, on good movement. He's got great, yeah, Kelvin Shepard in the, in the, in the locker room. He can coach him up. It's, it's a good, it's a good fix. Now, if he's somebody who, frankly, I've heard the term asshole used, if he's somebody that that you're not a fan of and, 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 you're, and, and you know, he, he rubs people the wrong way, it's like, is he going to walk into a locker room with, with solid culture like Dan Campbell has, and, and Brad Holmes have established and, and, and kind of take things to the wrecking ball? Is he going to pull a Kyler Murray in about, you know, two or three years? There's potential for that. So you have to feel safe, but not having been in those meetings, I have a good feeling that, you know, if you've got a strong locker room, you've got strong culture, you've got a strong minded head coach, all, all Dan Campbell's want, all Campbell wants is guys who love ball. And I don't see any reason to believe that Kayvon Thibodeau doesn't love ball. It's just, can you handle all the, 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 the personality stuff, the, the, the weird things he says in press conferences? I think that can be managed in the right situation, the high potential there and the, and the scheme fit. Is is hard to ignore, and I think you're gonna you're gonna put your chips on a Kayvon Thibodeau over most other players in the situation. Shay for the sharp, are you happy with this pick? You know, Brian and I have talked uh, at length about this pick, and it, it, it's funny because I think Thibodeau. You're right, Brian. He gets the, the word asshole gets thrown around, or you know, people don't mesh. But I think you can get confused in this day's day of age when a uh, prospect like a Thibodeau cares maybe about 
interests that don't involve football or involves making money or his brand. I mean, he clearly he is he has decided that he does want to make money. Shocker. Uh, he's going to be the number a top five pick in the overall uh, NFL draft. What scares me about him is it reminds me so much of two years ago, Bri, when we had the third overall and Okuda was kind of there. We were looking to trade back, didn't do it, and we kind of grabbed Okuda because I think that was the best value on the board. Thibodeau, clearly, if Hutch is not available, is the biggest value on the board. So I can't fault the pick, but I can't say just because of the uncertainty and the fact that you said he can take he can take plays off. The, 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 the game tape shows that at Oregon due to his frustration or lack of conditioning, whatever. But – Again, I, I, between Thibodeau and Trayvon Walker, I mean, at this point, should we flip a coin? I mean, I don't know. And we've talked about sauce, how much we love <laughs> sauce. And, and again, if, 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 if Okuda had an, absolutely just had the worst two years in the history of a number three overall pick, we wouldn't even have to be talking <laughs> about sauce. But I would even look at sauce here. But overall, I would say if Hutch is gone and we get Thibodeau, I think it's the correct move. Would I be over the moon about it? No, but I think it's the correct move, and I do think I would lean a little bit Thibodeau over Walker, but as previous stated, Mr. Ballerina, if Hutchinson is available and the Lions don't take him, I will tear my clothes and throw dirt in my eyes. Absolutely, absolutely. And just to put just to put a button on that uh, note, uh, Drew, I'm all for Sauce Gardner. I don't buy into this, oh, well, because we, we got a Cuda a couple years ago and it didn't work out. Maybe it's the way we wanted it to. We're not going to draft Sauce. That is the that, that is sunk cost fallacy all day long, and I hate that. So I would be happy with Sauce. I'd be happy with Trayvon, I, and I'm happy with Kayvon. I think it's I, – I trust Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes to do their homework. You don't take – you don't bring seven guys at your front office to the Oregon Pro Day and 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 bring him in for a 30 uh, 30 top 30 visit and work him and talk him and bring him in another time and not have i think a, a sense of who this kid is between the ears and is he going to mesh are we going to get the best out of him and i think if 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 he's motivated um i worry more about the losing if things aren't going well do he, does he cash out at the end of the season that's that's the kind of behavior that i think dan campbell won't put up with he expects a effort, no matter whether you're winning, you're losing, you're the first or the last. I think Kayvon Thibodeau can can be that if he if he puts his mind to it. And I think he can skirt that issue. I think he'll have a chip on his shoulder too, which I think works to his advantage. It's a very Detroit thing. So I think it, it could work if, if, if leveraged correctly. Speaking of uh, a lot of losing, let's go to the Houston Texans at number three. Who do you got them taking? With the third overall pick, I have the Houston Texans taking Evan Neal, tackle Alabama. Interesting. Really? See, this was uh, pretty much a lock for a while that Evan Neal was going to be third overall. But recently, his number has flown away, even to be like the, he won't be the first tackle taken. What makes you think Houston's selecting Neal? Well, because when you look at and I lo- and I love everybody's draft boards you know the pffs the espns the draft the draft networks the the uh the ringers i I love everybody's input but here's the thing uh and gotta give a shout out to a shout out to this kid but there's a young man named i think his name is jack uh lingenstein uh i'm sure that's uh, a made up lingenstein family um what's up jack but he's a young yeah he's a young man out of duke and he does a consensus mock draft board and he compiles all the major prognosticators and all the major outlets. I got to give him a shout out. He puts in and and consistently Evan Neal is is, is the second or third player on, their, on most people's boards. You can't you can't at this point in the game be a Houston Texans organization and not just pick a good player. You have so many needs across the board. Laramie Tunsil is not long for this organization. So you're going to get a kid who, who in Evan Neal who comes in, he can play guard, he can play right tackle, he's got flexibility, and he's just a stout, 
good player. And to be very real with you, I, I would put him above Penny Sewell last year. Mm. He's that good. Mm. He's that good. So if you've got a guy who can come in and do great work like that, I don't think you can go wrong. And I think the Houston Texans find a stud who can come in and potentially move to left tackle. And regardless of what you do at the quarterback position next year, what, whatever you do in the future, you've got that guy locked for five years. It's, it's a good starting point for Lovey Smith and that Texas organization. And he's a Nick Casario guy. Nick Casario from the Patriots loves his Alabama players. There it is. I hate that guy, Nick Casario. <laughs> but a team that also has a lot of holes is coming up with the fourth overall pick. Who do you have the Jets selecting? I have the Jets selecting at fourth overall Ahmad Gardner. This is where I like guy, this is where I like him too. I, I mean it's it's a position of need for I, them, and this dude is six foot three. We all know he didn't allow a, a a touchdown in his college career in his three years. He locked down Alabama or uh, uh yeah, Alabama, even though they lost that game, he he had a great game there. This is one of those I see at the cornerback, you know, unlike Jeff Okuda, this is a guy, if you need a cornerback and you're in the position to take him, you cannot miss him. I know there's some questions about him playing against real competition, but I'm I'm willing to overlook it. I can't, I cannot say how high I am on Ahmad Gardner in this, uh, in this draft. And when you're considering where these guys are landing, let's be real. Like this is, this is a, um, irrational market right you know when guys are getting selected we're talking about people selecting other people and i and i don't discount the fact that when it's the new york jets and, and it's robert sala and he's coming from that seattle seahawks you know, san francisco background who did he have he had richard sherman and and if there's a richard if there's a richard sherman in this draft it's ahmad gardner and another he, big physical imposing cornerback and and what he can do he can cut down a side uh, of the field and that's exactly what will help the jets you know get 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 uh Get, get plays off and, and get Zach Wilson back on the field. So I think there's a big win here. I had a hard time thinking about who could go here. I'd like Trayvon Walker, surprisingly, with the Jets. I think they could go tackle. But I just really think all the resources they poured into the tackle offensive guard positions in this offseason, um, the one glaring hole is the New York Jets, and I think they fit a need right here. And, I, and, and, let's, and let's just say from one to two to three to four now, I don't see a lot of teams coming up and, and, and asking for a trade in this position. I don't think this is a, that, that territory you're going to see teams, you know, giving up the farm to move up. So let, let's let's all call that out as we hit as we round up to five here. Yeah, let's go to five because it's another New York team. No longer are they bogged down by Dave Gettleman. Instead, it's Brian Dayball and co. making the selection here. Who do you have going number five? The New York Giants select Iki Aquani, tackle, North Carolina State. I... I think this kid is the cat's meow. I think this kid could do just so much for your team. And I think if you're the New York Giants and you just need to solidify that offensive line, you could throw this kid at guard. You can throw him at tackle. He can be your left tackle. I just think there's a lot of scheme versatility. If you're Brian Dable, you're coming in and you're trying to set the culture. This is the kid to do it. He's a hard worker, you know, got recruited to go to the Ivy League schools, super smart, is is impressing people in these interviews. I think he's a home run at this number five pick. And I think he he and what we're seeing now is the run on these tackles, right? I think a lot of teams are gonna start getting a little worried when they start seeing, oh, Evan Neal's gone, well, oh, Icky Aquanu's gone. And I think, you know, teams are gonna start feeling the heat. But I think the New York Giants feel good about this pick with the with with um with Icky Aquanu, knowing that they have, you know, two picks from now. Uh, the ability to pick another impact player or or potentially draft a uh, 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 trade out of that position. 
Number six overall, uh, this is a team I'm very interested to see who they select, and I'm hoping you say a name that rhymes with ticket. Ooh, I like it. But you know what? I'm sorry to disappoint you. I have the Carolina Panthers selecting Charles Cross. Tackle. Wow. I think, uh, yeah, it's hard to – There's for me, I'm very low on the quarterbacks in this draft class. I personally think that they're going to fall, and if I'm if I'm the Carolina Panthers, you know, I'm probably going to sit there and either hope that somebody falls and I can take a – you know, somebody later on, or that uh, I'm just going to sit there and ride it out another year with Sam Darnold. He did win three games to start the year last year, for whatever that's worth, and had a little thing going on with DJ Moore at that time. Um, and Sam Darnold seems to think he's good. He's going doing the rounds on media, telling everyone that he doesn't stink in the offseason. So we'll see what happens. But Ben McAdoo called yeah. him the starter and then, <laughs> and then immediately well, wait, said, I shouldn't have said, said that. that. So who knows what's going to happen with, <laughs> with Sam Darnold. But I, I like that pick here. I think it's a better fit than trying to, to gamble on a quarterback in a class that's just not great. Here's where I think if anything happens at, outside of Charles Cross, I think this is a great point for them to to trade back you gotta remember yeah. they don't have a second and third draft pick so they're they're open for business they'd love to go back and pick up their guy i just find it very rich for a team to come up here at number six you know especially outside the top 10 to give you know a premium second or third rounder and and for what like who, who are we picking at this point i don't think a lot of teams are coming up for a charles cross i think it could happen but here's the thing the tackle position is, is a little deep in this class um so i think a lot of teams are are, are okay sitting tight it's where, like to your point, uh, uh, Dangles, when you talk about the quarterbacks, it's not that there's one good quarterback and then it falls off the, the cliff. I think that's what happened with the E.J. Manuel year. There just wasn't anything after him, so somebody was willing to take a shot at it. The problem with this quarterback class is those guys are all ranked really closely. We'll get to them in a second, but they're all ranked really closely. You get your flavor. You get your Malik Willis, your Kenny, your Kenny Pickett. I think if you're the Carolina Panthers – I think you sit here tight. You take your you take your left tackle. You, you protect you know whoever whoever the hell is playing behind you know that 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 offensive line. PJ Walker. And you get yourself and you and you get yourself straight. And and if nobody bites, I don't think you take you take the bite of the apple because what are you going to do? You're going to start Kenny Pickett. He's going to get crushed. And you're and, and you're going to lose your job. I'd rather lose my I'd rather lose my job and and, and potentially and potentially. Got to remember that's not a great division. You know what I mean? You got Atlanta. You got yeah. it's a terrible division. So give yourself a shot. Just give yourself a shot. I don't think Kenny Pickett. I don't think Malik Willis. I don't think Desmond Ritter does that for you. I think Charles Cross does that for you. If you can't get this out of this position in a trade. Number seven, the New York football giants are again on the board. This pick was originally Chicago traded to them for the Justin Fields trade last year. Who do you have the giants taking or do you have them moving out? I have the Giants sticking and picking. I think at this point, there, there, there's a reason to believe that there could be some teams interested in that, but we'll get that in a second. I think the Giants stick and pick, and I think they pick our guy, Trayvon Walker, out of Georgia. If you want to call it a fall, I mean, this guy was probably, you know, 12 or 15 when the season started, and, you know, I think the media blew him up because I think he is a special player. But here's the thing with Trayvon Walker, why I don't think he's going to go two per se. I think Trayvon Walker is an extreme talent, but here's the deal. He is a guy who you're you're really banking. I mean, I, he's actually very similar to Rashawn uh, Gary, our favorite Michigan guy, and our you know our favorite Green Bay Packer. He's a guy who he's going to be a three technique. He's going to pop inside, especially on on, on rush you know rushing plays. He could go he could go on the outside, but I think that's going to be reserved you know for 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 other players. And and now what is Martin Wink Martindale's defense uh, for the for the New York Giants? Remember he's bringing in the the, the Baltimore Ravens South defense, and they love their big defensive ends. They love their you know Clay's Campbell's. They love these big guys. So I think Trayvon Walker fits the mold. But here's the reason why Trayvon Walker doesn't go higher. 
I don't think his pass rush is refined enough where you're going to get that kind of production out of him where you can put him on the wide nine, you can put him on the six, you can, you can put him you know, outside seven. I don't think he's going to pull that. He, he's going to pull enough juice and, and with, 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 with enough refinement in his pass rush to get you that kind of production where it warrants that high of a pick. So I think the New York Giants are really happy to get that kid. And then you know what? You tee him up with Aziz Ojolari, the guy that was on his team last year, and they were a tandem. I mean, this could be a special defense right off the bat. So you got the Giants taking Icky and Trayvon. It's a special. That's a special uh, a duo right there. You're you're walking out with a W if you're Brian Gable. Up next is what might be the worst team, uh, full roster, 53 man roster in the league. The Atlanta Falcons. Are they getting Matt Ryan's replacement here? What do you got them going? I have them sticking and picking, and and I have them taking Garrett Wilson. I just think what they can do with an additional receiver to help Marcus Mariota. What they possibly do in the second round, and and we'll get to um, maybe my my thoughts on where they go in the second round later after the, after we go through all these picks. But I really think the 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 Atlanta Falcons are vying for that first overall pick next year. I think they're looking at Bryce Young. I think they're looking at um, um, uh, Stroud from Ohio State next year. And I think what would be better than having a kid like Garrett Wilson uh, ready to ready to rock with that young uh, young quarterback. Um, I think he, he can do a lot of things. He can run a lot of routes. I think he sits nicely. I think he compliments uh, Kyle Pitts. Um, it, it, it's a really nice pick. And I think you get an all around good wide receiver who can do a lot of work for you early on. And I think you're setting yourself up for next year. Well, my, uh, my shrinker just tightened a little bit because I believe the wide receiver run has begun. Garrett Wilson goes eighth overall, number nine, Seattle. They got this pick due to that Russell Wilson trade from Denver. They have a lot of holes to fill as well. Not going to be competitive this year. Who do you have Seattle taking? I have a trade. Oh. Uh, I have a move. Uh, right now, um, I think this is I think this is bound to happen. We talked about this, Tony. You and I texted back and forth when this happened. We couldn't understand why the hell did they do what they did. New Orleans. Well, as soon as they as soon as they see Garrett Wilson fly off the charts again, sphincter sphincter in hand. I think they go running up and and make a deal with uh, the Seattle Seahawks, who are by the way. They're very well known for uh, uh, jumping out of their spot. Um, and they jump up the New Orleans Saints and pick Jamison Williams. I think what what this young man from Alabama could do for the New Orleans Saints um, is really set them up for success in their division, uh, be competitive. You got to remember, they beat, they beat the Buccaneers four times. You know what I mean? In the last in the last two years. So what they can do with a really amazing route runner, what they could do to compliment Michael Thomas. Um, I think they have the they have the temperament and the and the patience to let this kid get, come back from being healthy. Recall he tore his AC uh, his, his ACL in the in the championship game. I think this kid could come in and do some real serious damage in that in that in that offense and set themselves up nicely. And by the way, they don't have to give up much to move up. They're only giving up maybe a maybe a third, maybe a fourth, maybe a second next year. Whatever they got, they don't have to worry about uh, uh, giving the farm because again. They got themselves set up at 19 still. So um, I think they got themselves a real big winner, and they don't have to give up much to do it. So you don't think that would cost both of those first-round picks from New Orleans? Not at all. Again, discounts all the way in, in, in this. And I'm, not, and I'm not the only one who thinks this. I think you know the, the, the chart speaks to this. Um, but, but at the end of the day, I don't think anybody's, I don't think anybody's overpaying for, for picks at this point. And I think Seattle wants to get the hell out of there, too. 
Um, again, they're going to be another team up for the for the Bryce Young, uh, 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 CJ Stroud um, extravaganza next year too. Bellarina, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Hitman was on last week. He actually gave out in his private Discord Jamison Williams top ten weeks ago at plus eight hundred. At the time of this recording, it's plus one seventy five. So you're on to something there, my man. He is climbing up the boards. Speaking of top 10, a lot of our bets that came in that Hitman show were top 10 bets, and this is the last top 10 uh, bet in the top 10, or last pick in the top 10, I should say. It's a New York Jets picking for their second time. This originally was Seattle's pick. It was traded to them in the Jamal Adams trade, a trade that will live on in infamy. What do we got for number 10? Six years later, uh, the, the New York Jets stick and pick, and they, pull, and they select Jermaine Johnson, edge out of Florida State. Now, this guy is not a guy that I know a lot about, but I know he's high on everyone's boards. I did not see a lot of this team. Uh, why does this guy stand out above the fray? So in, in a nutshell, this gentleman is a, is a fantastic all-around pass rusher. Does a great job in the run game. He has very, very impressive um, uh, hands, incredible pass moves, great counters. He's very, he's very fleshed out. I, I would, I would say he's somebody like Evan Neal. Like he's kind of, he's kind of maxed out. He is, he is what he's getting. He's an older, he's an older guy. He's a redshirt senior. Um, went to the Senior Bowl and just crushed. Like he made people look stupid. And he, mm -hmm. and he, and he, and he dipped after two days of practice. In fact, it might have even been one day. He basically said, like, hey, I'm good. I know I'm a top ten player. Um, and 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 remember, and, and and you guys might, your listeners may not know this, but he was also on the Georgia defense the year before. He was a transfer to Florida State, played on the Georgia team, couldn't get enough playing time, um, and and uh, to Trayvon Walker and others, and and went to Florida State and just crushed. He's a fantastic player, great motor, does a lot of things well. If you want to knock on him, I, I think maybe he doesn't do everything um, special, if you will. He just does a lot of things incredible. And, and good enough. And I think the New York Jets are pretty much happy to get a guy who, who is, again, you know, in that conversation for being a top six, top seven player, depending on who you talk to um, at, at number 10 um, um, at, at the edge position. And he is also one year younger than Rashawn Gary, who was brought up earlier on this podcast. That's it for the top 10. We're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to do the rest of the first round with the Ballerina Big Boy. That's coming up next. Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Ballerina, we just did the top 10 of your big board here. Let's go a little bit faster now. We're going to go 11 through 15. What do you have for the next five selections on your mock draft? At the 11th position, I have a trade. Oh, uh, already? I do, in fact. We're, we're going to come in hot here. I have the Eagles uh, trading in and swapping with the Washington uh, Commanders, by the way. Commanders now. Um, uh, and selecting the Eagles, that is, selecting Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback out of LSU. Nice. Uh, at at number 12, I have the Vikings sticking and picking and selecting Trent McDuffie, cornerback out of Washington. At number 13, I have the Houston Texans again sticking, and they are selecting Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. Okay. Number 14, I have the Baltimore Ravens selecting our guy, Jordan Davis, big man, Georgia. 
And then I have at 15, the Washington Commanders selecting Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. Wow, that guy fell a little bit. Yeah, now, uh, we did talk about Hamilton a lot last uh, podcast we did. And um, uh, Hitman talked a lot about how we took Kyle Hamilton over six and a half, uh, his position over eight and a half, and now it's at ten and a half. How certain are you that Kyle Hamilton is going to fall out of that top ten? I'm pretty certain because – Here's why. And and we talk about the safety position being undervalued and, you know, being discounted, whatever. I don't buy into that as much as as, as I buy into the depth of the safety class at this at, in this draft. When you're talking about some of the guys that are going to be at, coming around in the middle to the latter part of the first round, top of two, I think you're going to see a lot of great safeties, guys who can come in. And I don't think there's a big drop off. Now, when Derwin James was selected, I don't think there was a very deep class. And that's why, you know, he was selected where he was selected. But I think the safety position, although discounted, is still viable. I think it's the right mix. I think it's the right position. It's the right player, the right team. And I think that the, the truthfully, I think the Houston Texans could would could talk themselves into Kyle Hampton going three. But I think they their their patience pays off. And I think he goes. I just think it's a good marriage between need position as well as um you know uh, the depth of this class now houston got that pick due to the deshaun watson trade from cleveland and 15 uh philly there who traded up with washington only had that 15th overall pick due to the jalen waddle trade from last year always find these interesting shape of the sharp any questions you have of the five men that were just named yeah, to give some perspective here, guys, about how close this is, you know, I know Ballerina is one of the most well-versed in all the lands. I've done my own mock, like I've said, been betting the first my first draft for a month. We have 14 out of 15 of the same top 15. We have exactly zero in the same exact draft slot. So that gives you an idea of how crazy. Wow. Zero. We have 14 out of the 15, wow. same top 15, zero in the same draft slot. I want to ask you specifically, <laughs> Ballerina, Drake London. Why did he fall to 15? I have him going eight overall and basically a coin flip with first receiver off the board with him and Garrett Wilson. I know Jamison Williams has the home run ability, but also Drake London coming off that injury. I'm just curious what 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 is separates Williams as a better prospect than Drake London, given London's size and explosiveness. And he's the same, basically the same coming off an injury. Yeah, I, I think to answer your question, I don't think he's a better player or worse player per se. I think it's it, it's your flavor, right? I think you could split hairs between Drake London, uh, Jamison Williams, and Garrett Wilson and be happy with any one of those guys. It just depends on what you have on your team. And I think that the, 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 the Drake London um, uh, skill set fits nicely with a lot of teams. But I think if you're talking about sheer speed, just things that you can't coach, things that you can't, you can't live without. I think when you look at what happened in the offseason, the Tyreek Hill trade, um, you just have players who are commanding a, a premium rate for skill sets that are uncoachable, right? And I think while, while Drake London is an insane talent, his catch radius is unbelievable, what he can do with his body, how he can separate, you know, for his size. And, and the other thing about Drake London, he's a great slot receiver. He's a big yeah. slot. So what, he, so what he can do in the slot position is very rare. But I think what teams are looking for based on what they have, it was very hard for me to marry – need with what they have versus what what's available and i think teams are going to pay a premium for that speed out of jameson williams that ball control out of garrett wilson that that smooth route running that you can't really it, it, it's hard to coach those things with drake london i think you're getting a big big who can do a lot of big things and that's useful but it's only useful i think in certain instances and i think with the washington commanders i think he complements well with that wide receiver room can do and i think he gives carson wentz 
uh, a big target and, and sets them up for success. So I, I just had a hard time finding the right marriage and the right situation for Drake London over those other guys. It's a slice. He's mint chocolate chip to the chalk to the chocolate and the and, and the vanilla bean. You know what I mean? It's, I like it's, that. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing against the guy. Andre the Giant isn't a big enough target for Carson Wentz, but let's get to your sixteen through twenty. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to let's see. Yeah, sixteen through twenty. But this pick number sixteen started off. As the Indianapolis Colts pick, it was traded to Philadelphia in the Carson Wentz trade. Then Philly traded it to New Orleans in a very interesting draft pick trade. And according to the ballerina, it is now Seattle's due to a day of mock draft trade. So 16 through 20, starting off with Seattle. At 16, the Seattle Seahawks select Trevor Penning, tackle out of Northern Iowa. 17, we have another trade. Uh oh. We have a trade. We have a trade up. The Green Bay Packers are in the position to tra- trade now. All right. Okay. All right. What are you doing? They, Olave. they select Chris Olave, wide receiver yep. at Ohio State. That makes sense, Ballerina. At 18, we have the sense. Philadelphia Eagles selecting Devin Lloyd, linebacker ah. out of Utah. 19, we have the New Orleans Saints sitting and picking, and they select Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty. Okay. 20, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers selecting, and they are selecting Kenny Pickett. Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you have the two quarterbacks going 19 and 20 back to back. New Orleans stays, even though they have all those picks, they make a trade up. They don't take a quarterback. They still get the guy they want at 19 overall. And Pittsburgh just sits and takes the hometown kid, Kenny Pickett, even though uh, everyone has them as Malik Willis is the favorite right now to go to them. If you went, uh, who's Pittsburgh going to take in the first round? So much to talk about in 16 through 20. I'll save Green Bay for a little bit later, but Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett falling this far. Brian, why did you have them going where they went? Why did you have them falling this far? Yeah, to my earlier point, I think, you know, they're not, again, flavors, right? You get your flavor of your player. Very different, very accountable. They're good teammates. You know, they they have their they have their awards, but they also have their their um their star potential, um, you know, in their varying ways. I really think if you're a betting person, I think these are the two teams destined to pick a quarterback. Um, I had a really hard time finding a good slot, a good team that was interested in making the maneuver or even making the investment at this, at this point in the draft um, at a quarterback um, outside of these two teams. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers have shown their hand quite a bit. Um, You know, there's been a lot of, a lot of smoke, but there's also been a lot of, you know, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers um, uh, building on what they want to do at the quarterback position. This is also a team that has a lot going on for itself. It could use a tackle. It could use a, you know, another defensive player. But what it could do with a really solid quarterback with one year of, of sitting on the bench behind Mitchell Trubisky, let's be real. Mitchell Trubisky is not, not, not going to be starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers in, in year two or three. So I really think the investment here is low. And they didn't have to come up to get it because I think when you think about who who they'd be trading up with, who are they competing against? Who's who's looking for a quarterback in this draft? I had a hard time finding a, you know a motivation for them to move up and, and, and to outcompete anybody. I think both those teams are happy with either one of those quarterbacks. And I think the New Orleans Saints. Remember when we talked about what the New Orleans Saints did? That uh, Tony, we couldn't figure out why they did what they did. It didn't make a lot of sense. Still doesn't. It, it, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. But here's the thing. If they walk away with Jamison Williams at number nine and Malik Willis at number 19, that is setting yourself up for success. That is swinging for the fences and putting yourself up in a position to, to make hay. And I, and I support it. 
Uh, uh, I will talk about Green Bay's trade-up in your draft, trading up to 17 to get a wide receiver. This is my um, probably my worst-case scenario, in, this, in my opinion. Because we have the two picks in the first round and because there are a plethora of wide receivers in this draft that could be first-round wide receivers, I really do not want to see us move up for someone that's not named Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams. I'd rather have us sit put at 22 and get one of the many wide receivers that will fall to us in this draft, but you have them moving up to take Chris Olave. Okay, I'm fine. If we still have the 28th overall pick, though, Brian, I'm going to fight you on who I think we should take with that one. But let's move on to 21. It's Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio's team, the New England Patriots, who have stayed put thus far. They may be moving out in Ballerina's big boy, but first, let's kick it over to Dangles. You've seen the board so far. 20 players have been selected. Who do you, who would you want Brian to take right now for the New England Patriots? Oh, man, this is tough. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, you know, it, I, I think it would be out of character for Bill Belichick to go wide receiver here. Truly and honestly, I do. I think it's much more likely that he waits. And, you know, John Mechie's a good fit for us. He could be a good slot compliment and especially after the Devonte Parker trade I think he's willing to sit back and wait because we have more positions of need more positions of other positions of more dire need is what I'm trying to say like linebacker like cornerback which is probably the thing we need the most is a cornerback to replace JC Jackson because right now our starting quarterbacks are Malcolm Butler and Jalen Mills that's not going to work like we need to get somebody out there who's got some speed who can be a ball hawk who could do what JC Jackson did or bring some of that um so I mean I don't know I you know I like Andrew Booth from Clemson um Nicobe Dean from Georgia is a name that I've seen come up a lot for us going at this spot well I'm about to make Dangles is day for the 21st pick the New England Patriots select Andrew Booth Jr. cornerback out of Clemson I like it. I, I just think I just think this kid does everything that the that the Patriots want to do. Um, I you know he comes from Venable's defense. You know let's let's not discount that. Um, you know does a lot of lot of, a lot of man a lot of zone. He's very flexible. Um, he's an exceptional athlete. Does does an incredible job um, of you know at least on tape anyway with, uh, with with ball skills. He does a fantastic job um, of being consistent and doing his job. He has a bit of an injury history. He I think he's not going higher. Um, for, for that reason. Also, he has very short arms, weirdly enough. Um, so, so he would be one of the, you know, he's got, he's got some, you know, issues, but I think what, what, what he works well in Foxborough, um, what he does well, I think Foxborough is going to be happy to have. Him. All right. So we have now number 22. Uh, this was the Raiders pick. It was traded to Green Bay in the Devonte Adams trade and the ballerina has it going to the Los Angeles Chargers. So the Packers could move up to take Chris Olave ballerina. Let's do 22 through 27. Because 28th pick I have my eye on. So who do you have going 22 through 27? 22, I have the Chargers selecting Zion Johnson, guard out of Boston College. 23, I have the Arizona Cardinals selecting Traylon Burks, wide receiver, Arkansas. 24, I have the Dallas Cowboys selecting Central Michigan's own Bernard Ryman. 25. Now, uh, so, so, so so sorry, what is what position? Yeah, what position is Bernard Ryman? Bernard Ryman's a tackle out of tackle. Central Michigan. There you go, Hitman. Keep going. Yep. 25, I have the Kansas City Chiefs trading up oh. to select our guy, George Karloftis, Edge, Purdue. Okay. 26, I have the Tennessee Titans selecting Nicobe Dean, linebacker, Georgia. 27, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers selecting Kenyon Green, guard, Texas A&M. Okay. We got a couple of trades there, a couple of interesting picks. Uh, why would Buffalo trade with their uh, Kansas City AFC rivals there, bud? Well, because I think when you look at the needs of the Buffalo Bills, I think they feel really comfortable moving back 
picking up picks and still selecting a guy, which will be coming up shortly and getting exactly who they wanted. Um, I think when you look at what Kansas City did in that situation, why is Kansas City motivated to move up? I think a lot of people have have uh, Kansas City moving up for a wide receiver. You got to remember at number 29, they got to give up the farm to move up and they've got a lot of picks. You know, Beach, Beach, the GM there could, could could do it if he wanted to. But I think when he starts noticing what he has in reach versus what he's able to, you know, to, to invest in, um, I think he understands that he's probably destined to pick a wide receiver at the back end of the, of the first half. If that's what he wants to do. On the other side, they need a lot of help on that on that defensive line. And to see a guy like George Karlaftis starting to slide. Why is George Karlaftis sliding? Exceptional player. But he's also a guy who doesn't, you know, he's, he's a power guy. He's a power rusher. Um, He's not going to be, you know, there's a lot of guys who can do what he can do in the second round, maybe not as good, but serviceable. And I think George Karloftis, you know, is destined to be a Dallas Cowboy. if He's not selected uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs um, at number 25 when they come up and get him. So I like George Karloftis uh, fitting a huge need for the Kansas City Chiefs. And can you imagine that team with a fucking stud defensive end like George Karloftis? It would be it'd be a lot of fun. And then when I look at um, the next pick with the Tennessee Titans, I love Nicobe Dean and this Tennessee Titans defense. I think that is a fun, really exceptional. I think mean, he's a Vrabel guy. Like that is a Vrabel pick if I've ever seen one. May not be the biggest guy in the world, but what he does in instincts, what he does in you know with exceptional um, um, game management skills, I think he is a fantastic fit in a team that needs a linebacker terribly. He reminds me of Roquan Smith from what I've read about him. You know, size questions, but you've got the speed, you've got the coverage. And, you know, if you can get between the tackles, it's, it's a guy who can generate a few sacks for you. And I want to just point out, too, I love, you know, I, I people people are going to knock this pick, but I love that Arizona doubled up on wide receiver. Give give our guy Kyler Murray something to get excited about. And I think Traylon Burks is a guy in their cupboard that they don't yeah. have. They don't have a guy like that. There's very few guys like Traylon Burks in the league. And I think a guy um, – like Cliff Kingsbury can do a lot with Traylon Burks. I think that's a sexy pick. I, I, that's exactly um, who I think uh, Green Bay takes at 22 if they don't trade up and make that trade. Shape of the sharp. He's quietly kind of my favorite receiver. He's obviously not going to be the the Wilson, uh, Drake, Williams uh, sex appeal, but I really like him a lot. I saw him in the SEC a lot this year, Brian, and you talked about how London can move to slot. He can absolutely move in the slot. And his combine numbers aren't going to wow you, but he's the classic football fast. I mean, when he has pads and helmets on, he's running past D-backs. He can go get the ball. I love, I love, love, love Traylon Burks, and uh, I like the pick. So yeah, Traylon Burks has one of the highest GPS of any player uh, at wide receiver. So he's got he's got top end speed when he gets rolling. Let me ask you, Tony, very quickly, why do you think he's a good fit for Green Bay? Uh, I, nothing against the fit for him, just in all these mocks I see, I see this guy being the one that sort of falls into the 20s, and that's why I'm saying I'd be fine with Traylon Burks and keeping my picks that I'd have to trade up to move to get Chris Olave. I don't think there's a huge margin of difference there that a second or third later won't be able to handle. I'm fine with either of them, but I like us staying put. Can I, can I also offer you a suggestion as to why I think Olave is the right fit for the Green Bay Packers? They're ready to win now. Olave is ready-made. Pick them. Put him in the Plug offense, and, play. and he's and he's doing a shit ton for you right away. Traylon Burks can't keep his weight down, you know what I mean? So like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has got time for that. I, I think you know we've got uh, we've got a win, <laughs> we've got a we've got a window we've got a window and we've got to hit it. And I don't think Traylon Burks, you know, who needs maybe you know you got to remember too, like 
there's there's not a great track record in this league for guys who are kind of tweeners, you know, that that LaVisca Chenault type, you know, where you're, you're, you're kind of not sure how to use him. He does a lot of good things, but how does he fit in an NFL offense? I don't I, I just don't see the Green Bay Packers playing those games. That's that. That's why I did what I did. Speaking of the Green Bay Packers playing some games at 28 overall is our next selection. This is their original pick right here. Uh this is a pick that they traditionally trade out of the first round with and get more capital, and I kind of see them doing this as well. But if they stay here, if they trade into the early second round, there is one player that I really want them to take here because there is no better offensive line coach than the guy who works in Green Bay. Every time we draft an offensive lineman, we groom them to be successful offensive linemen. They always get a second contract in this league, whether it's with us or with someone else. And with the 28th overall pick, you're not going to have this man, but I would love them to turn this pick into Daniel Fal- Lay out of Minnesota. There is no one with better physical tools, and yes, his his footwork and everything needs work, but no one can coach him up better than the Green Bay Packers. That's who I want with this 28th overall pick. Who do you have the Green Bay Packers selecting? Before I give you that selection, don't worry, Tony. He'll be available to you in the second round. At the 28th pick, the Green Bay Packers are selecting Devontae Wyatt, defensive lineman out of Georgia. He fell. I, he fell a bit. Uh, Cause I, uh, yeah, he fell a bit and he's fantastic. Tony, he is fantastic. He was easily probably one of the top one or two players, him and Jermaine Johnson at the senior bowl, what he was able to do. Now I know the green Bay Packers don't select guys that are a little bit older, but he's a, he's, he's, he's a guy that you can do a lot with and do a lot with early on. And what he can do in the pass rush as a defensive lineman is extremely impressive. You put him next to Rashawn Gary, you're cooking, dude. You're doing a lot very quickly, and I think he's going to cause a lot of problems. Now, with that said, I love the idea of them tra- uh, trading out of here. You know what I had them doing? At one point, I had switched them out because I wanted to give you the pick this this day. I could see a world where they trade out and the New York Jets trade in and select Tyler Linderbaum. I keep waiting for Lindenbaum to leave. I-, I thought he'd be gone by this time, too. Lindenbaum is a plug-and-play player right away. We do need help nope. on that offensive line, my friend. I'm telling you. with uh, uh, we got a couple of injuries heading into the season. It's not going to be exactly. You don't want to have the David Bakhtiari situation where he just doesn't play all year. I like I like yeah. having plug and play guys. But with that said, I don't think the Green Bay Packers force it either. So I, I think that's that that was the that was the that was the final straw for me. All right, let, let's do twenty nine through thirty one and save thirty two, which is your Detroit Lions selection. So Drew can give his final pick. But twenty nine is this Buffalo team now after trading out. This was San Fran's uh, San Fran's pick. It now. Wait a second. Yeah, San Fran then went to Miami in the Trey Lance trade, then went to Kansas City in the Tyreek Hill trade, and now went to Buffalo in the Ballerina mock trade. Who do you have at 29? I I love this pick for the Buffalo Bills. I think they stick and pick Kyir Elam, cornerback from Florida. I I think the Buffalo Bills are destined to pick a corner. Um, Slot it wherever you want, whether they're trading up, sticking, or, or moving back or even going to the second round, they're drafting a cornerback. And I think the Kyrie Elam uh, pick is a very good fit, and it gives them more more ability to, 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 to protect the goal line when you're talking about who they're going up against deep in the playoffs, the Kansas Cities of the world, the, a- the, AFC, the AFC Wests of the world. You know what I mean? So I think Kyrie do, does a lot for them when, when it matters most. Kansas City at 30? At 30, I have them selecting, here we go, wide receiver, Sky Morrow, Western Michigan's finest wide receiver. Ooh, Broncos. I see this. I, this is a marriage, man. What Sky Moore does at wide receiver yeah, I like gets it. off the line. He does his special things. I think this is a good pick. We can talk about it more in a second. At 31, the Cincinnati Bengals select Tyler Lindebaum, center, Iowa. 
I just think this is, I, I just want this to happen. I'll be real. I don't know. If this, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to happen. We're at pick 31. Who gives a shit? I think the Cincinnati Bengals deserve to have Tyler Lindenbaum. And I think Cincinnati will ride if it doesn't happen. And finally, number 32 overall. Yeah. Hey, hold on. It was the Los Angeles Rams selection and it went to the Detroit Lions in the Matthew Stafford trade. Congratulations for winning a Super Bowl. Shape of the Sharp, you got something to say before we go to 32 because I do want your opinion on where you see Detroit going here. Yeah. And to your point, Brian, you said the Lindenbaum pick, this is something that you want to happen. The only way I can see this guy still being on the board, you do such a great job year in year out, but as a Lions fan, the only way I can see this guy on the board is because you want the Lions to take this guy. He's not going to be here. If you don't say this guy's name, I will be very upset. So please tell me, who are we taking 32 overall? At 32, I don't think it's going to be the guy you're going to say, but I think it's going to be the guy they pick. At 32, I think it's going to be Jahan Dotson, wide receiver from Penn State. Okay. And if that if that happens, that's fine as long as what the fuck happened to Dax Hill? How do you not have Dax Hill on the first round? Thank you. you okay, high? here we go. Deep in the hole You're in high. my mind. I think Dax Hill is is square in the sights of their of their set uh, of their top uh, pick at thirty four for the second round. Here's my logic, and hear me out. This is all about that fifth year. I think what you can get out of a fifth year option on a wide receiver and a cost controlled contract versus what you what you will probably pay at the safety position for a guy or you know nickel cornerback however you want to define him at Dax Hill, um, what you'll pay for that guy compared to what you'll pay at a wide receiver. If, John, if Jahan Dotson hits and he's a sheer you know Z receiver, dude, I love what Dotson. He can do at the Z. I love which, him. which is exactly what they need. I think he is a Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes archetype of what they want to do on that offense they, the, the guy can ball and the guy can separate and what he can do i mean just think about what that offense could look like i i i just see it working and i think the lions at uh 34 turn around and i think they get their safety whether it be lewisine or, or or dax hill i'm happy with either guy roll with it run with it i love i love if dotson's available at 32 I I'm I'm over the moon. Happy. I don't think Dax. I don't think Dax, and it may have something to do with my best bet in last week's show. <laughs> but Dax is there's no way Dax isn't going in the first round. I mean, he's Mel Kuyper's darling. I mean, if you listen to Kuyper talk, he cannot. He keeps you know pumpkin pie in his mouth and just talks <laughs> about Dax Hill. That's all he does. I've seen him in top twenty in multiple mocks. I had him actually twenty one actually to Dangles Patriots because yeah. of his ability to play that slot corner again. A, a guy like Hamilton that we talked about, Kyle Hamilton, the safety, he's a true safety. Dax can do anything. He can play in the slot. You can put him outside. He can he, he can play free safety, strong safety. He can do he play any corner position. So I'm just very of all the of all the top thirty two, I'm shocked that he's not on your big board. I love your thinking. If the Lions get him at thirty four, that's great. But that that's I'm just I'm dumbfounded. Because we watched him in Michigan. What, what's up, Tony? No, the last thing I'm going to say is another a couple of uh, uh, some bets we made on last week's show, and it has to do with this mock draft as well, sort of making it work for us. But no third quarterback in this first round. No Desmond Ritter, no Matt Corral, no Sam Howell. Do you obviously see those guys as day two players, but you have no one trading up and trying to get somebody. Carolina, maybe. No, I and I don't know. Look, Carolina doesn't have a second or third round draft pick. I don't know what they'd be doing. You know what I mean? But like that was the other problem is when you look at the second and third round. I just think you see a lot of teams stacked to do some good shit with outside of the quarterback position. And I don't. And and, you, and, and I'll give you a dark horse. If you had to select, a, if I had to put a, a Desmond Ritter to a team, I'd put him to the Tennessee Titans. I think that is a twenty six. I think that could really, really happen, and 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 nobody should be. I mean, we'll all be surprised one way or the other. But I really don't think that that 
that that um, I can't remember Tannehill's like 35 guys like he's not a yeah. spring chicken and I can see them grooming a young man like Desmond Ritter and he fits that style you run a four or five and you're you're a game manager I mean he is a Ryan Tannehill mold um, and I yeah. think that could and I think that's, that could work uh, to answer your real quick question uh, to your point uh, Drew about Dax Hill there's about three teams in this back half that I think are destined to pick him if he gets picked in the first round like you said Dangles is New England Patriots I, I think he could find his way to a team, um, a team like the Buffalo Bills. I think he could go yeah. sit. I think he could go sit for the Cincinnati Bengals too. So, so there yeah. are a couple points. There are a couple inflection points where I think Dax Hill could find it. The only issue I have with taking a guy like Dax Hill in the first round is he's a slot corner. You can find those guys off the street for the most part, um, it, serviceable depending on your style. Those teams in particular play a lot of you know deep deep DB uh, formations. They bring a lot of five guys on the field. The, I just think you know again with the depth of this safety class, I think you're going to see a run on safeties at the top of the of the draft uh, at, at in the second round. I think starting with the Detroit Lions. So I, I, I get your point, and it's well taken. I think Dax Hill could could very well go in the first round. I just think there's a there's positions of need mixed with also competitive good players that I, that I think other teams are going to value like the Kyrie Elums of the you know for the Buffalo Bills that kind of stuff. Assuming assuming Dotson's off the board, I'd have to think if Dax Hill's still on the board at 32, I would think DC is running a 4-3 to draft Daxton Hill uh, at 32 overall. That's I mean that, that that's my hope. And again, I might have a lot of money on it that he goes in the first round. I do. But let's and just hope Dax Hill. That's the only part and of And we've now spent more time talking about the Detroit Lions' 32nd pick than all of Detroit. The, the, the 32nd pick than all of Detroit Sports Talk Radio has done this no, whole no. Good call, Daggles. That's it for the Ballerina Big Boy. I thank you once again, Brian the Ballerina Balzarini, for joining this show and lending us your knowledge. I cannot wait to see how this mock draft plays out on Thursday. It should be a national holiday. We'll all be taking half days from work if our wives allow it. I'm very excited. I don't have a wife. What do I care? I'm going to be watching it. It's going to be great to watch. Thank you for joining the show, Brian, and we'll have you back next year, of course. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Love you all, and uh, you know, happy betting, guys. And that is it for great the job, West Coast. as always, Ballerina. Awesome job, man. That's yeah, it job, for the buddy. West Coast Gamblers. For Schaefer the Sharp, Drew Schaefer, Crooks, and Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, my name is Tony Cavallo, and thank you for listening. Dub C to the G, West Coast Gamblers. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 